Hey there, guys. And before we get started with the podcast, I wanted to take this chance to tell you about Keller Williams Coastal Realty. Now, they are the largest real estate brokerage in Rhode Island, servicing the entire state, as well as eastern Connecticut and south coast Massachusetts. Now, their vision is to be the premier real estate company in southern New England to provide compelling value to their agents and their lives. They seek to empower inspire and support their real estate professionals as they strive to service our community with all their real estate needs. We have an extensive residential, luxury, and commercial portfolio and have presence in eight offices throughout the state. Kelly Williams Associates are skilled and educated to provide unparalleled service to their clients. We strive to make every real estate transaction a pleasurable and memorable experience for everyone involved. Contact them today if you are interested in learning about a career in real estate or to connect with one of our professionals to discuss buying, selling, renting, or investing in real estate. And guys, all you got to do is look up Kelly Williams Coastal Realty on Google and they'll come right up. So guys, just make sure to go out and support Kelly Williams. And guys, enjoy the episode. Stay hungry, stay foolish. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. I have a dream. We one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Hello and welcome back to the Knowledge is Power podcast. I'm your host, Max Willett. So today is going to be a podcast based off of one topic. Uh, I have two guests for today and that topic is going to be golf. Uh, They're going to introduce themselves and talk about their history with golf and why they got into it. And then we're going to talk all about the history of golf, what's going on in golf, uh, and basically whatever comes up in the conversation. So it's going to be really fun. So uh, Guys, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, that'd be great. Uh, oh, thanks for having us, Max. I really appreciate it. Uh, my name is Jeff Verzoko. Um, my current profession is a commercial insurance agent. Um, but, however, I started playing golf probably when I was three years old. Um, I've actually have a pretty good story with in terms of golf. Uh, I was actually uh, a professional golfer in the PGA um, on the teaching side uh, for a number of years. However, uh, like I said before, I've been starting. I've been playing golf since I was three years old. Got through my dad. Uh, my dad's an active golfer still to this day, um, so I've been playing ever since. Uh, I really enjoy the game, and uh, it's great to be here. Hi, <clears throat> I'm Scott Benjamin. Uh, I'm from Pawtucket, and uh, I was—I'm just a weekend golfer. I was never—I was never a professional. I—I um, I was introduced by my father to it when I was younger. He actually cut down like one of his little drivers, or it was like a th- five wood or something like that, and. Uh, he made it, put a little grip on it, and used to bring me to the range. I had pitches me when I was like one, and I caddied for him. And, you know, that was really my introduction. But I love the game, um, and I'll be playing as long as I can. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know if you want to say you're handicapped, guys, but, um, Scott, you said you, you took yours, like, really for the first year this year, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah so, first time. So what did, what, what it did ended up as a nine. Yeah, so that's pretty good. Uh, I'm. I believe I'm a 2.0 currently. Oh, so it went up. 
yes. last time. Yes. Oh, boy. Had a struggle in the fall. Cool. Oh, no. <laughs> couple rounds. Like, yeah. That's golf, though. You yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. Totally. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I guess I'll say how I got into it. But Scott met my grandmother the other day. She has been playing for a very long time. She helped me get into it, and obviously my dad. Um, but I think my grandmother wanted to take me out more often because my dad gets a little mad sometimes just like everybody does me too i get pissed off at <laughs> golf mm. <laughs> i don't throw clubs but i mean uh but i love it and especially in the past two years during quarantine um i would go i mean i would go out almost every day to pinecrest i had joe scott on yesterday and we talked about you know this episode and we talked about pinecrest and uh amazing place and i basically learned how to play golf there and probably four or five years ago uh, when I washed carts there, I had my friend Sam uh, would wash carts with me, and then we'd go play golf almost every day in the summer, mm. uh, and it was awesome. And, uh, yeah, I love golf. Uh, I grew up a baseball player. Uh, still like baseball better, but golf's a great sport. Um, but, yeah, so I want to transition into uh, a pretty good, a pretty cool quote I have here by Benjamin Rush. If you, do you guys know who that is? Well, he, he was a founding father, one of the lesser known ones uh, from Philadelphia. And he says, golf is an exercise in which much used by a gentleman in Scotland, a man would live 10 years longer for using this exercise once or twice a week. So I guess back back in the day, golf was considered an exercise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it can be. Yeah. I mean, Mentally look, and physically. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned since quarantine, like since quarantine, I started walking, yeah. just walking golf. Because before that, I took a cot all the time, and you know, I lost like twenty pounds in the last wow. two years, and I haven't, I didn't even try. Simply, I even asked a friend who worked out. I'm like, hey, you think there's something wrong with me? I'm like, could I lose weight just from walking? And he's like, look, calories in, calories out. If you put more out, you lose weight. Yeah. But it's definitely keeps you healthier. Yeah. Well, cause I mean, I, I never really walked until I started playing, playing with you and you know, those other guys, uh, I usually took a cart and I think it definitely improved my golf game. Yeah. Uh, it gave me more time to think about the shot. And this year I definitely got more serious. You know, most of the time last year I go out for fun or whatever and screw around and not really try. But you know, now that I have officially invested in some new golf clubs, um, I got fitted the other day for some Mizunos, and I can't wait to get them. Mm. And uh, I told Scott that he better watch out because <laughs> I got my my handicap to like a 15-1, which is a lot better than it was last year. It was probably like 100-something last year because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I couldn't shoot you know, below. I couldn't break 100. Now I, if I don't break 100, I'm pissed. You know, so um, well, the next goal now is to break 90 consistently. I, and then, I did it once, but yeah. obviously not consistently. Yeah, that's the tears, right? Once yeah. you start breaking the 100, then you go down to 90, then you mm -hmm. go down to 80. And then now, you know, even if you get better and hopefully the 70s, but that's, you know, yeah. those are the tour golfers and yeah. those are the scratch golfers. It's just, but each tier is harder than the next. I mean, you know, like you said, breaking 90 consistently is difficult for you, but, mm -hmm. but imagine trying to break 80 consistently. And it just takes uh, a lot of time, a lot of practice, a lot of patience. And that's the number one thing with golf, right, is patience. Mm -hmm. you, know, you can't expect results after, you know, a month or two months of practicing. It's consistent practicing, putting green, chipping, everything, trying to get yourself in different lies, different scenarios on the golf course. It's just so hard. And the only way to do that is to play. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's, that's just the hardest thing with golf is finding the time to play. And, you know, when we were in New England and 
it's already mid-December. It's getting cold. I mean, we're my clubs are in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, sometimes I'll play, you know, occasionally if it's over above the, you know, 34 degrees, I'll play. I'll get out there and play. But we're not playing consistently. And that's, you know, the four or five month break of not playing golf. It's just it's hard. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it's 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 difficult to really, you know, as like a beginner um, to get consistent production is difficult and unless you really commit to the game like you said you know you got fitted for clubs and um that's like extremely important because now you're invested your time and your money and now that you know that you spent all that money on the clubs they were fit, fit and designed for you specifically mm-hmm. and that's what i used to tell people a lot when i was in the business when people were asking me you know what should i do i want to get new clubs i want to get a new driver i want to get a new putter you know you got to get fit i mean you're you're cheaping yourself out if you don't get fit because you know, you could spend a thousand dollars on these irons now, which is most of the irons, how much they cost nowadays, and they might not even be fit for you. Yeah. So you, you, it's worth it to yourself to pay the extra two hundred dollars, get fit, get the clubs that are meant for you, and then you have these for the next six to eight years, mm-hmm. and when you need to get new clubs. So and the technology is just incredible. I'm sure you you witnessed it when you were getting fit. Oh I mean, yeah. The launch monitors are insane. Oh, it's I mean, crazy. It's you know down to the T in terms of the weight, the length, the shaft, the head, the grip, mm-hmm. and it's specifically for you. And you know, and and that's why I think golf is so popular right now because the technology is just so good, and just people get latched on to the technology and to and how these clubs are changing. And you can get an avid golfer that just wants to get new clubs every single year, and it's and it shows, and it's great for the game. I mean, mm-hmm. and you mentioned quarantine, you know, a lot of industries, you know, were affected by quarantine and, and affected by COVID, but I think golf thrived. Oh my gosh, I think well, I saw some numbers that, you know, revenue increased by over twenty five percent throughout quarantine when everything else was going down. Yep. You know, and I think that first, like I remember going to Pinecrest, it was dead, but then when the summer hit, it was busier than it ever was and and not only did they have to deal with all the people they had to deal with all the crap you know with the restrictions of covid Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean when i got fitted i used a seven iron for the whole thing and uh it it increased my yardage my yardages my average carry was like 188 yards 186 yards with a seven iron and sometimes like when i crushed it it would roll out to 198 yards that was the furthest one i got it and you know, right now I have those regular uh, flex Nike uh, wed, uh, irons that are like that thick, and <laughs> like you know, I can't get any distance out of them. And and I didn't think that it would increase my yardages by that much because before that, like a seven iron was like one seventy, you know, and that's if I like one seventy, one seventy five, and that's if I crushed it. I mean, that's Scott's best club is a seven iron, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's a ninja. Don't listen. This guy's gonna. T- <laughs> this guy's gonna tell you that eh, I'm not that good. We're playing Pinecrest. He hits his drive into the woods on the second hole. If you don't know Pinecrest, it's a dogleg to the right. You got uh, sand trap dead straight. Woods on the left is a little patch of trees, and Scott hit it in the woods. And he pulls out his seven iron. And there's literally like a sliver, like when you see that that golf beam. And there's like a sliver, you know. And I gotta hit it through the sliver. That's what it was. Golf pulls out his seven iron, puts it ten feet from the pin. And I'm like, yeah, you know, screw you, Scott. You said you weren't that good. <laughs> <laughs> Missed the putt, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny that you were talking about your seven iron that you were, you know, hitting almost yeah. 180 yards. I mean, that's I hit my seven iron maybe 160, 165, and then that's, yeah. you know, I don't want to get too far into the teaching aspect of it, but that's like the for you as a golfer because I played it enough golf with you, Max. I mean, you yeah. hit, you crush the ball. I mean, you hit the ball farther than me, 
And you know, but you hit the fairway every time. I'll slice <laughs> it in the woods. Nine I mean, out the next, but the next for you personally, the next step in your game would be consistent hitting those 120 yard shots, 110 yeah. yard shots, mm-hmm. and that's the touch, that's the feel, and that takes a long oh, yeah. time to develop. Because yeah. you know, you, you know, your yardages with your sevens, your six irons, your five irons, but as soon as you get below your pitching wedge, you know, you got a 130 yard shot into the wind downhill, bunkers left and right. How are you going to hit that shot? Yeah. <laughs> and yep. that's where the feel, that's where the touch comes in. That just takes a long time. The yardages that I struggle with the most are definitely uh, the 130-yard yep. shot because it's my pitching wedge too long, and I just got a gap wedge, and the gap wedge is too short. So like, But I got a 50-degree gap wedge in the new set. My other one was a 52. So maybe that will help me get that extra yardages. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just something really interesting. But I want to go into the history of golf here. So golf, actually, there's there's uh, uh, records going back all the way to before 1457, believe it or not. And it was banned by uh, King James II. So I'll, I'll read this thing, and I got it all from historic-uk.com. Uh, golf originated from a game played on the eastern coast of Scotland in an area used... Uh, in an area close to the royal capital of Edinburgh. I'm surprised I pronounced that the first time correctly, but I know that <laughs> word. Uh, in those days, players would attempt to hit a pebble over uh, sand dunes and around uh, tracks uh, using a bent stick or club. During the 15th century, Scotland prepared to defend itself yet again uh, against an invasion by the old enemy. I have no clue what that is. Just reading the article here. Um, but yeah, and, and I you know, go back... 1457 so obviously that was before it was banned for some reason uh it doesn't say why uh just a probably a power hunger power hungry king but uh the golf officially became a sport uh when uh there was a league formed uh in uh, 1744 uh and the the prizes were silverware if you won (laughs) <laughs> so you get a nice mm. spoon <laughs> four. or a fork. <laughs> um, then the rules of this competition were drafted by Duncan Forbes uh, rules that sound familiar to many. Uh, the first ever 18 hole course was constructed at St. Andrews mm-hmm. in 1764. I know Frank played there, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Um, establishing the now recognized standard for the game. King William, the Fourth, honored honored the club with the title Royal and Ancient in 1834. Whatever. RNA. Huh? RNA. Okay. Uh, and then the United States Golf Association was established in 1894 to regulate the game. Uh, and then by 1900, more than 1,000 golf clubs had been formed throughout the United States of America with the availability of serious funding through commercial sponsorship. The USA quickly quickly established itself as a center of the professional game. Today, it is the golf courses themselves that reflect the history of the game with the U.S. courses presented as beautifully sculptured and uh, manicured landscape parklands, uh, unlike those in Britain, which are typically rough links courses with bunkers you can hide uh, London double-decker buses in. (laughs) So, yeah, that's a quick and brief history of golf. Um... But, uh, yeah, I'm curious to get your thoughts on the modern uh, game and how it's changed in the past 20 years because you guys have been around 
longer than me. Uh, I'm not saying you're old, but you're older than me. Um, how? So let's say 2000 compared to now. Are there any big differences that stick out to you guys uh, in that time span of the game? Um, so it's as you were reading the history of golf, uh, Max. So we're, we're in Rhode Island, and mm-hmm. golf in terms of the United States is really important in terms of where it started in Rhode Island. Newport Country Club um, was founded in 1893, and it hosted the first U.S. Amateur and U.S. Open. Um, so uh, the history of golf for America is really important um, I I in Rhode Island. That. So here in Rhode Island, really important. So just a just a quick fact there. But yeah. in terms of in the last twenty years, I mean, as a whole, as we we talked about technology, um, you know, it's I would think it's Tiger Woods. Obviously, I mean, the last twenty years, um, you know, it's just transformed the game of golf in terms of who he is, um, you know, who he was. It just made so many people gravitate toward the sport. I mean, you had to watch golf. You had to if it was on TV, you had to watch because of Tiger Woods. And, you know, his dominance during that period was just people, it was must-see TV. And then you had kids, you know, growing up, saw it on TV. They wanted to be like Tiger Woods. There was a shirt that was super popular, you know, that time, you know, I am Tiger Woods. You know, those commercials, video games, everything. He was everywhere. Mm-hmm. And now there's just, all those kids are now grown up. I mean, the Justin Thomases, the Jordan Spieths, the Xander Shoffleys, and they all say Tiger, 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 Tiger was the reason why they got into the game. So in terms of the last 20 years, the overall sport and the popularity of the sport would never be where it is without Tiger. Um, in terms of golf courses, and that's the issue that the PGA Tour is running into, and these guys are just hitting it so much further than what they used to even back when Tiger was at his dominance. I mean, he was hitting farther than anyone else, but like the Bryson DeChambeau's of the world, Dustin Johnson's. I mean, they're hitting the ball so far, and these golf courses are now turning into too short. I mean, especially in England. Yeah, I mean, and these Lynx courses that have been, you know, designed in the 17, 1800s, you know, they're just too short for these guys. So that's the challenge that now golf has to encounter is that people, you know, are now hitting the ball farther and they're starting to make these golf courses that's becoming where it's just too short. So the challenge is how do you build these golf courses that are challenging enough for the average for golfers nowadays? And now, as you can, you know, probably see around the country, golf courses that are being built are now built longer and fairways wider, greens wider and longer and bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Donald Ross, as you know, a typical Donald Ross course is short holes, tees facing towards the trouble area, and small greens and a lot of bunkers. Now it's kind of getting away from that longer, wider fairways. So, you know, in the last 20 years, it's just, it's insane how much it's changed. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, 20 years from now where the game is. Mm-hmm. Scott, you have any right. on that? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. And with the, the with, you know, Tiger, he changed it into athletes. You know, you became, uh, you know, these guys work out. Look at the whoop, you know. I mean, they constantly monitor their health, their mental health, all of these things. And it just, you know, in combination with the technology, like I'll give you a perfect story. When I, after a little after high school, which I graduated in 1989, so we'll say around like 92, I got these new clubs, and I had them for 20 years, 25 years, and I got the ones I have now about eight years ago, and I was older, and I was much stronger when I was younger, and 
I the new clubs added twenty odds. Like my it went well, maybe like fifteen. It went from what I used to be able to hit my seven iron to my eight iron being that distance. Wow. You know, so yeah. it's it is. Technology moves everything so much faster and people are better conditioned and stuff like that and you know, it's tough stuff to keep up, you yeah. know, but play your own game. Yeah, definitely. I and, <clears throat> I don't know. In the recent, like, I mean, more recent times, like within the past five years, I definitely thought golf has gotten young, a lot younger. And because there's this massive stereotype out there that's for old men. And, you know, if you go out and play it, you're an old man. And I got my, you know, my balls busted a lot out when I worked with some guys earlier this year. You know, I, how much I love golf and they called me an old man or whatever. And you go on YouTube and then you see these guys like Good Good and uh, GM Golf. Rick Shields, who's, you know, not mm-hmm. super young, but I mean, it's a lot younger now. And it's really interesting. You mentioned it's more of an athletic sport because you saw that with baseball, too, especially in the past, you know, 20 to, to 30 years, because, you know, way when baseball first started, you had fat guys in the dugout smoking cigars, a.k.a. Babe Ruth. Mm-hmm. And then somehow, some way, you hit over 700 home runs, you know, and I think it's just really interesting to, to see sports like that change um and i don't know if they considered golf a real sport or was it just a leisurely activity you think i mean they didn't make it was tough to make a living back in the yeah. day you know yeah. especially you, you look at like and you mentioned st andrews i went before i forget if go on golf channel there's yeah. a great like uh golf films mm-hmm. they have a great st andrews um, thing and it talks about like the history of golf and mm-hmm. stuff. It's very interesting. Yeah. Um, but and and then you talk about Bryson and Bryson is my favorite player. Um, and talk about golf getting younger. You can't mention a golf without mentioning Bryson DeChambeau. He has a YouTube channel. He posts a lot of his training uh, of him trying to get his swing speed up and his ball speed up. I think he just hit like over 210 mile an hour ball speed. <laughs> which is insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's even cooler that this guy, Micah Morris, who's part of good, good, who's like five foot eight went up there and had swings, had a ball speed of over 200 miles an hour. And this guy is like literally probably half of Bryson's size. And it just goes to show you that size isn't everything in golf. And that's, what's great, you know, about the sport is it's really accessible and anybody can play it and be good at it. I mean, well, I just look at last year with Phil Mickelson winning the yeah. PGA championship. Yeah. I mean, well, he just won. Didn't he just win a, another one recently? He might. I, I don't know. I, I, okay. he, he might. But well, not I, PGA, but some tournament. Seniors. Seniors. Yeah. Okay. Or whatever champions it yeah. is now. Um, it was just you know he oldest player and he wins the PGA Championship and yeah. it's just and that's I think that that's why people gravitate toward the sport is because you know you don't have to be you know super athletic you don't have to be strong you don't have to be young anyone can win on any given yep. day I mean. You know, Just look you, at John Daly. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> back then, I mean, you know, you had guys like Lee Trevino. You know, you had Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer smoking cigarettes on the course. I mm-hmm. mean, like, you know, Angel Cabrera's of the world. I mean, you know, there were still guys up until the late 90s, early 2000s, that, like you said, they have that, you know, the unathletic look. And that's why some people, when they see some guys, you know, that have the unathletic look, the you know, they gravitate toward. And, mm-hmm. you know, Phil Mickelson for his age is just extremely athletic. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a player, Harry Higgs, on the PGA Tour. You know, mm-hmm. he's kind of a, a, a looks out of shape. He's got a mullet sometimes. And people love that. Yeah. Because, um, you know, it's not the cookie cutter. Just look at John Rahm. He's not. Yeah. 
he doesn't perfect like, example yeah. i mean and that's yeah. that's the one thing where i i i'm not the biggest bryson DeChambeau per fan but i if he's on tv i'm watching him yeah and that's the thing that i like to me that's where you know it for the united states golfers some of them are a little too boring in my eye like you guys you get jordan spieth xander shoffley colin morikawa justin thomas i mean you kind of lump those guys into one because they're pretty much the same person i mean you know mm-hmm. the, the the personalities are kind of the same but then you got Bryson DeChambeau, who's just totally different than yeah. them. You know, like, like you see those guys like Jordan Spieth when they get excited to get a fist pump, and they're like, "Oh, look how emotional he yeah. is!" And you're like, "Yeah, he you didn't do anything." Pump. Yeah, he smiled. He's like, "Yes." <laughs> yeah. And then Bryson puts his arms up and goes like, when he hits a 400 yard drive, and he goes crazy like that's emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, like I totally agree with you. Yeah, and it's awesome. And I I always compared you know Trevor Bauer for baseball. You know weird guy did something messed up but before that i would compare him and bryson DeChambeau in terms of what they are to their sport um and trevor bauer is doing the same thing bryson DeChambeau is doing putting out content on youtube showing the behind the scenes on what he does for training and things like that uh and trevor bauer used to be my favorite baseball player until he did what he did and mm. just like ugh, you know but anyways you know that's that's sort of who i'd like to compare them you know to in terms of their professions uh, but uh, yeah, Bryson is probably my favorite, and Phil was my favorite before that. You know, before I really started, because I really didn't know anybody other than Phil and Tiger. And I always said that Phil is my favorite, <laughs> and I love how he has his putter that that Odyssey blade, and he calls it a Tiger Killer. <laughs> <laughs> but that's but that's that's what the sport needs more of. Yeah. And until you know Bryson came around, I think I was to me I was a little concerned because there was not a lot of hype. Watching, you know, if Tiger wasn't in the tournament or Phil wasn't in contention, there wasn't really a lot of hype. I mean, you'd still watch the majors, you still watch your masters and, you know, get excited to watch it. But there really wasn't a lot of excitement. Now with Bryson, you're like, you either, you're a fan of him or you don't like him. Mm-hmm. And, but you have to watch him. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not the biggest Tiger person. I mean, he's instrumental to the game, but, you know, people who know me know that I just, I'm not the biggest Tiger fan, but I have to watch him. I respect who, you know, who he is and, and mm-hmm. what he's done for the sport. I mean, but outside of, you know, those guys that I mentioned earlier, I mean, Roy McIlroy is my favorite, personally, my favorite golfer. Okay. I think he's just, I think he's great for the Very game. Very smooth swing. I mean, he's, Amazing swing. and, you know, I think he's one shot, one win at the ma- uh, made the Masters to get the Grand Slam. Um, you know, I just feel like he's Can been. Can you explain what the Grand Slam is? It's winning all four majors. So it's okay. winning the PGA Championship, the U.S. Open, the British Open, and uh, the Masters. Okay. Um, so it's a, um, Phil Mickelson is still yet to get the Grand Slam. He has to win the U.S. Open. Jordan Spieth, I believe, has to win the PGA Championship to get the Grand Slam. So it's a pretty obviously iconic, uh, something to get, you know, something to, to achieve. Mm-hmm. But Rory's the type of person where if he's in contention, you're going to watch the majors. You're going to watch the tournament. However, I feel like almost if a guy like, I don't know, Tony Finau or like Colin Morikawa, if he's in contention, I just feel like there's not a lot of excitement. There's not a lot of hype just because who he is as a person. You just don't get a lot of emotion out of him, which is, you know, it's no gripe on him. I mean, the guy's an unbelievable golfer. I mean, Colin Morikawa is awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. the, you know, United States golfers are great, but, you know, you get emotion out of John Rahm, as you said, Spanish guy. I mean, the guy, you know, three or four years ago, he was chucking clubs. You know, you got guys like Terrell Hatton, who's, you know, a, a hothead. He's throwing clubs, but people <laughs> gravitate toward that. Someone yeah. that doesn't really play golf that thinks golf is boring, you show a video of Terrell Hatton throwing clubs, they're going to be like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's that's important for the game. You see yeah. Bryson DeChambeau hitting a 400-yard drive. They're like, wow, 
That's really cool. Like that guy's insane. It's insane. And like you show pictures of before and after what Bryson was. Oh my gosh. When he, he coming was skinny. in. Exactly. He was so skinny. There was nothing to And it. that's why, mm-hmm. you know, moving forward, DeShambo and Kepka, that rivalry is so important. And if you oh, want to yeah. call it a rivalry, it's so important to golf. Yeah. So yeah. important. Yeah, it's awesome. And I think it was hilarious when they did that match recently in Vegas. I don't know why it was twelve holes. That was a little well, know. they said that the the length, because people are, com- I guess people, I don't know who these people are, where they're complaining about the length. I will gladly sit down for five hours and watch golf. I sit down and watch whole baseball games every single time. I don't care, especially mm-hmm. when the Red Sox are on. Um, but that's just me. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I thought it was hilarious when, when Bryson got Brooks Kepka cupcakes and, <laughs> and brought it. And, and before that, they released a video, and they had, like, this giant target off that hotel big hotel in vegas what starts with like a w or something mm-hmm. and there was a big target with brooks face on it and bryson was hitting drives off was, <laughs> like that's great and that's what uh, you need right yeah and, and, and it hypes the game up exactly yeah. um but uh yeah so i have some cool golf statistics here uh and just to you know talk about golf and other aspects so the total courses around the world. How many guys? We'll just do a little trivia here. How many do you think there are? Just a random guess. Total courses in the world. In the world? Yeah. Throw a number out there. 20,000. 20,000. How many do you think? 85,000. 85. So Scott's the closest. There's 39,000 in the world. Uh, total in the U.S. Um is actually 15,500. So it's almost half of the world's golf mm. courses are in the United States. Is that 18 hole courses or nine hole courses? It just says total course. <laughs> That's actually the way I figured it out. I figured yeah. there was 10,000 in the United States and I doubled it. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean just think about here like in Rhode Island. Like there's oh, yeah. Moraine, Beaver River, Pinecrest, uh Fenner Hill, Meadowbrook, uh, Exeter. Like you like, started talking about the needing a membership or a yeah. license in Germany. Oh, yeah. Well, it's we'll just get to the that accessibility yeah. here is so, you know, it's yeah. so much more yeah. easily attained than, you know, say Mexico or, you know what I mean? Just. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's a, it's a amazing sport and it's great that, you know, more people are getting into it. And, uh, so, and yeah, I mean, we'll get into Germany after these t- t- statistics. Uh, but, uh, so, and I have total golfers in the U S and this kind of like absolutely blew my mind. So a third of the population, 101 million golfers ages over six in the United States, wow. which is crazy. Yeah. I don't know how they got that statistic, but this is from golfspan.com. If you want to check for numbers, uh, and over 502 million rounds played, which is insane. And then average round. Per golfer, how many rounds do you think you played this year? 70. 70? 30. Yeah, so the average is 20. So it's pretty cool. So, yeah, um, and 75% of uh, golf courses are public in the United States. So now I'd like to move to Germany, which is really interesting. And this is uh, according to N. Uh, I don't know, some website, ndadvisors.com. And to play golf in Germany, you need a license, which is stupid, you know, it sounds like. So let me tell you uh, what it consists of, the test. You have to take a test to get a license to play golf in Germany. Pressure. Uh, Yes. (laughs) So it consists of two parts, a written test 
and a hands-on test, right? Like you're getting your driver's license. The hands-on test takes you out on a golf course where you have to prove your driving, putting, and chipping skills. And then you join a pro to play 18 holes of golf with a maximum of 108 strokes. So what does that handicap um, translate to if you shoot 108? Like a 34, 33. Like a 34. So I guess that's, I mean, but still, that's like for somebody who just wants to get into golf, like that's insanely tough. I wonder if they know? check if you like replace your divots or your ball marks. Probably. I wonder if that's part of the scoring, like not putting your blinker so, on. Well, here's, here's the written test checks your proficiency on the rules of golf and etiquette. On the course, if you miss six questions out of the 30, you failed. Uh, of cor- of the course, of course, the test is, is in German. I don't know why it says that. I mean, it's in Germany. Um, and the Germans instituted these rules to keep hackers from slowing a play for others, which sounds something that only the Germans would do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pace of play is an issue. Yeah. It's crazy that they... I mean, I just hate, I hate to interrupt you, Max. No, but no, like, no. It's, That's it's, fine. So when I had to be when I became a class A, I had to take um, what they call three checkpoints, which is written tests, and also I had to do a playing ability test. So I had to shoot, I had to break 150 in one day, so 36 holes. You had to break that score in order to pass to pass the test, and I had to take three checkpoints, and each checkpoint consists of about five or six written tests. Um, and just all aspects of golf, you know, it was golf cart fleet management, uh, club repair, um, course maintenance. Uh, it's, you wouldn't believe tournament operations. I mean, so like, I just give you, I always remember this question. So what do you think is the maximum number of golf carts on a par four a day, like a certain time, a maximum number on one hole on a par four of golf carts? I mean... I would say just two. So so six is is the maximum they they say. Okay. Two on the tee, two on the fairway, and two on the green. That was one of the questions that oh, they asked. Okay. <laughs> just That's so those are some of the questions that like you know. So it's funny that you're talking about Germany. Like it, that's that's just crazy to me. Yeah. And you know you see some of these tests in private clubs where it's specifically for juniors. You know to be a junior member, quote unquote, depending on what club you're at. You know, you have to break a certain score for nine holes and you have to take a written test. But just to play the game and to, you know, play golf at a golf course, you have to have a license is pretty astronomical to me. Yeah. <laughs> and how many professional German golfers do you know of? Martin Keimer. Um, there's another and, one. and did they learn to play golf in Germany or did they move out of Germany and go play somewhere else? I couldn't. I don't yeah. know the history. Yeah. Victor Hovland is from Germany. Is he from well. Germany? I, I thought so. he was from Finland. Or is he Finland? Like that. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's. I I I was watching a random golf club on YouTube, and uh, I watch way too much YouTube. I have it on in the background all the time. But he was talking about how you needed a, you know, a license to play in Germany, and he even thought it was crazy. You know, you know, and he's from California. That. You know, he's from California, and he thought something like that was crazy. Mm. You know, just super weird. But, uh, yeah, so this is a perfect transition into my first sponsor break. So, guys, we'll catch you after that. Hey there, guys. If you don't already know, this podcast is based in Rhode Island. Within this state, there are many great businesses. So let me take 
this time to tell you about Tanya Carroll and the Wickford Way. Wickford is a great downtown area. Wickford Village is a family destination all year long. Wickford Village provides prestige, street-lined with one-of-a-kind, family-owned and operated shops featuring jewelry, houseware, clothing, and more. The Wickford Way is an exclusive publication by and for the residents of the Wickford RI area. So do you work with customers in the Wickford area, or are you looking to expand your footprint into the Wickford area? Wickford loves local. Tanya is looking for reputable businesses to recommend to the Wickford area residents. By becoming a preferred partner, Tanya can connect Rhode Island businesses directly with families of the Wickford area. Find out how by checking out their Instagram at the Wickford Way or call Tanya at 781-475-0818. So thanks guys. Make sure to check out the Wickford Way and enjoy the episode. All right, so let me pause it. Don't worry. All right, guys, we're back. Uh, so I have the leaderboard of the best golfers in the world. Um, and I'll just read the names and you tell me if there's anything that sticks out to you. And if you agree with these rankings, if you know, so I don't know they're, how these work and you can explain it to me because I've always wondered how they determine the number one golfer in the world. So right now it's John Rahm. Um, and it says average points is 9.4. Do you guys know what that means, you know, average points? I do not. No. So and, each so each tournament on the PGA Tour is worth a certain amount percentage of the world golf rankings. Okay. Um, and then usually when you see on the, the tour schedule, the WGC, the World Golf Championship, so usually those tournaments only they only have the top players in the world in terms of the world golf rankings because, right, there's a European tour and the PGA tour. Yeah. So you have both of those tours. So some players specifically play in the European tour versus the PGA tour. Granted, in the, the PGA tour – is the tournaments depending on the tournament is worth more points in the European tour depending on the tournament, right? Because you see like some of the tournament, like the Irish Open, some guys from the United States will go over and play in the Irish Open, the Scottish Open, like Justin Thomas usually plays in the Scottish Open. Yeah. Um, in some tournaments in the United States, some guys from the European tour will play. But in terms of the world, the WGC tournaments, those are the top golfers in the world depending on what tournament it is, whether it's top 80, 100, and usually those are the ones with no cut line. And those are the players that you see from Europe that you see sometimes on the on the uh, um, the leaderboard, and you're like, "Who the heck is that guy?" Yeah, and then you find out, "Oh, he's from the he's on the European tour." So that's okay. how it, it's it's. I don't know what the percentages are, but it depends on the field, the course. It's all a mathematic formula that's way above my head. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, oh, Scott, do you want to add something? No, I just like like he like he was saying with the, the hero challenge too, Tiger's thing. There was only you know twenty people, mm-hmm. and uh, I know there were world ranking points at that event. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming nine point something, maybe the average he gets per round played in the event. Mm-hmm. Nine points for world golf rankings. I'd... Okay, and then you got Colin Morikawa, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Cantley. Um, Patrick Cantlay, is that or is it Cant? Yeah, Cant- Patrick Cantlay. Which he obviously beat Bryson in uh, the FedEx Cup. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. I remember him as an amateur. Mm-hmm. That was that was amazing. That was the first. I mean, that was like the first tournament this year that I watched, and I was like, like Hooks. was looking forward to it. The President's Cup was yeah. coming up. Because I remember watching it. I remember Bryson hit his 
eight iron, 220 yards. Mm. And I'm like, what are they feeding this guy? <clears throat> but the thing is, is when you look at Bryson's clubs, right? Obviously, he's a strong guy. Okay, number one, that helps him hit the ball a lot. But his eight iron is the same length as his, what, five iron? All of his iron is the same length. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I think that if my, if I got that swing down, hypothetically, and I had that iron, I could hit an eight iron 200 yards maybe. I'm not as strong as him, but, I mean, with that club, you know, they're, they're curated towards that swing, and I think that a lot of people could benefit from that. I mean, they sell that set. So right? this is the challenge that a lot of people go into is that they sometimes they get hooked on distance. Mm-hmm. That's because you don't want to hit your pitching wedge 190 yards. No. Because think about that. You have the gap, you know, I mean, you, you're going to have a gap between your pitching wedge you hit in 190 yards. What's your next club? I mean, at 150 yards, where are you yeah. going to hit? Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's, that's the challenge that with some players like yourself, sometimes you get a little too far in advance with, you know, hitting eight iron 180 yards. To me, that's too far. Okay. Because then you hit your 9 iron 170 and your pitching wedge 160. So then your gap wedge is a 48, 49. You're hitting that 150. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just so it's hard to really kind of lock down in terms of the yardages. Yeah. What are you going to hit from 110 yards, 90 yeah. yards, 80 yeah. yards? You know, to have that touch is going to take a very long time. Yeah. So, you know, it's great that you hit the ball far. And obviously, accuracy is just as important as distance. You know, I mean, that's, a, that's the argument a lot of times that people have. It's because, you know, if, if you hit the ball 330 yards and you hit it out of bounds, the person that hits it 230 yards and it's in the fairway, that person's going to be in front. Yeah. <laughs> right? So... In terms of Bryson, to get all of his clubs at one length and to be able to have the feel and the touch, because he's a very good short game player. That's a lot of people don't realize about yeah. Bryson. Yeah. He is a very good short game player. And he's able to hit these shots with this, the same length, his pitching wedge. He can hit his pitching wedge 180 yards or 100 yards, yeah. depending on the lie, depending on the, the shot. So, And that's what makes him great he's a very analytical player too. yes that's why they call him the mad scientist yes well he was a physics major yes. in college stanford. he went to stanford yeah yeah so like and it, and i think there's something that he does with his caddy and he measures like the grass or something like that. so yeah so when he gets on a putt he looks at the break the percentage of the break how if it's uphill downhill left to right and yep. then he does a formula in in his mind this is how insane he is yep. he has a formula in his mind where if he hits it at a certain pace, it's going to drop at a certain point if it's a left-to-right putt and with the right amount of speed. And if he misses the cup, it's going to go past three feet. He, Mathematically, in his mind, that's what he's thinking. And that's how he – like, if you watch the match, he'll talk, he talked about yeah. it a lot. Yeah. And that's why he, he's labeled as a slow player, yeah. especially when he gets on the greens yeah. because he's got so much going in his mind. And that's why Kepka – reportedly quote-unquote doesn't like him because he yeah. takes a long time kept yeah. like eight slow players well so bryson is ranked number eight brooks isn't even in the top 10 so, oh wait no he's 15 there you go so brooks can say all he wants who is um five through nine so five through nine is so five is xander six is justin victor hovland is uh seven eight is bryson nine is rory and ten is lewis Uzehausen. That's so that's So that's that's one that kind of sticks out to me. He's an older guy. Okay. Um, a big fan favorite. So he's, I he's come in second place at every major, multiple times. Like Tony Finau. Yeah, but like <laughs> no, like on a multi, he's won a he won a U.S. 
Open or British Open? I forget which one of the um, British. British, British, yeah. I think it was at St. Andrews. Saint, was it at St. Andrews? Yeah, yeah he had those fingernail painted. Yes, that's right. And then Why the next, did he do that? To make sure it was, he was staring yeah. at that fingernail. Oh, that's okay. all he was thinking about. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's coming second place multiple times at majors. So, um, luckily, uh, he is a major winner. But that's kind of surprising to me. He's an older guy. And he's viewed as he just hits the ball super straight um, and doesn't have a, you know, anything special about his game yeah so and then you know he's, he's lumped into all those young guys I mean, well dustin johnson's now considered older i think he's 34 now 35 yeah yeah he's number th- number three yeah but all those guys cantley is kind of like the next alexander shoffley colin morikara type yeah. person he's young and he's just it's only a matter of time before he gets a major yeah well somebody that i was watching uh is keith mitchell mm-hmm. um he reminds me of you remind me of him actually <laughs> Because he's got like that short backswing or whatever, and quick through the. And I was I was watching him on on YouTube. I'm like, that looks like, you know, that looks like you. And it was weird. But I was like, I was like, holy crap! Like you even look at a picture of him, he looks like you. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Very good looking then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. But uh, I think that yeah, he's not. He just was on like the. um, Was he in the Bahamas this week? Was he playing? I believe so. Yeah, he's always in the mix. Yeah, Um, but he's never like up in the top. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So because. Because he played um, uh, the good, good guys, um, Garrett Clark and uh, this guy Grant on a match. They played versus some other – it was Keith and another guy that just came in like second place in the Sun Ferry, Sunflower. Corn, Corn Ferry Tour. Corn Ferry, yeah. Okay. <laughs> the Corn Ferry Tour. And uh, they only beat him by a hole or two. Yeah. You know, they only beat the good, good guys by a whole. There was act, they were actually tied. All up these until. guys are great. Yeah, you know, like they were so, all so talented. So as you have the yeah. rankings up right now, check where Ricky Fowler is if you're for me. If, oh boy, I don't even see. Him. He's over fifty, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's. You think he's over fifty? He very well could be. All right, so I haven't seen him yet. You know, I can just do the command F. So Ricky, he's not even coming up. He he could be way. Uh I mean, well, the reason why I ask is because that's what's most interesting to me is how far he's fallen and how quickly wow, he's fallen. Wow, Watson is 80? Hmm. That's crazy. Well, he changed his putting, too, didn't yeah. he? Ricky changed his putter, and he changed his swing. And you know, he's, got the Jordan so flat. he's got the Jordan Spieth you know, syndrome. I mean, there was a time for a couple of years Jordan Spieth yeah. was way out of the rankings. Yeah. And now he's kind of making a, a, a comeback. I mean, I think Ricky is starting to be the new Phil Mickelson in that yeah. he's never won a major. He's one mm. of players. Keith Mitchell's eighty nine, so I have a good swing then. <laughs> oh, here he is, Ricky. F- I did. I didn't know his IE. He's eighty three. Yeah. So Ricky, I think maybe as recent as two years ago, he was a top ten um, world golf ranking, and now that's how quickly you know he's dropped. And I, I just, I have a feeling that he's going to be the next Phil Mickelson if he already isn't. I mean, I think. He's how old is he? Thirty two, thirty three. Yeah. Um. And he just hasn't won a major. All of his, you know, his, he's close friends with Thomas and Spieth, and they've won majors. And um, he's a fan favorite. I think that he's going to be the next Phil, and that people are going to be cheering for him if he's Ricky's in contention. Yeah. It's going to be. Well, not many mm. guys can dress up in full orange and get away with it. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he does that as much any anymore. No. He was, you know, paid homage to his Oklahoma State days. Mm-hmm. Uh, he only wore that on Sundays, but that's the, to me that's how crazy it can go in the game at least and even for these guys 
I mean, you, they, these guys can get into slumps, six months, year slumps, and they can drop uh, completely out of the picture. Like I said, Jordan Spieth was the same thing a couple of years ago. Now he's slowly but surely it's coming back, and people gravitate to him because they know how quick you know how quickly he's fallen, and he's coming back now. It's mm-hmm. just you know, and that's where I mean, I'm a big Ricky Fowler fan. I think he's great for the game. I think he's a really good guy, um, and it's just I. I hope he wins. I hope he breaks through. I think it, it'll happen at Augusta. That's what I'm hoping for. Okay. Yeah, cool. So I have an interesting question for you guys. What do you think the hardest shot in golf is? Because you hear that come up a lot. You know, you hear people say, oh, this is the toughest shot in golf, you know, but I think it's different towards everybody. I, it's hands down the 50, uh, the 80-yard bunker shot. Okay. What do you think, Scott? I would think it would be shorter, like a 50, 60-yard bunker shot is tougher for yeah. me. Yeah, because I think – if it's 80 yards for me, you know, like my 60 degree can go 100. You know, a 20 yard difference, I can take a full 60 out of the bunker. The problem with that is catching on. the 60 exactly. fat. Exactly. You got to use a less lofted club and hit a half. And you were talking about Bryson. I think Bryson breaks his backswing down into like quarters of the hour. Mm-hmm. So how do you gauge from 10:30 to 10:45 is beyond me. But that's and that's and that's where these guys. They play practice seven days a week, mm-hmm. every single day. Mm-hmm. I mean, on their off days, on the Mondays, usually technically their off day, yeah. they're hitting 500 golf balls oh, yeah. on the range, on the launch monitor, all And that's day. crazy that you know they can still go out and play golf for fun yeah. with their buddies. Like yeah. I, That would be the last thing I would want to do yeah. if, you know, I mean, if like, I'm doing it 24 hours a day. Like when, I, when, I, when I was working in Florida – I worked in Jupiter, and that's like the hub of the tour players. There's yeah. actually an article in Golf Digest that just came out a couple, I think, a couple of days ago, about how that's like the golf capital right now in the winter is Jupiter, Florida, and they are everywhere. These guys and yeah. I'd be just, I played um, Bears Club and Ricky Fowler's hitting balls. I saw Tiger hitting balls. Yeah, I mean it's just they're everywhere and they're in shorts and they're having a great time. But yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to know how much they're gambling on these these matches because you know yeah. they're gambling. I mean that's just a right. given. Right. <laughs> what are they doing? Five thousand dollars a hole? I Definitely yeah. some sort of skins involved. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's where I'm just curious. I would love to know how much they are putting on because these guys are obviously multi multi millionaires. Oh yeah, and yeah, it's crazy. But that's why I think that when the PGA Tour initiated that these guys can wear shorts during the practice rounds, it made golf even that much better right. and that's where i yeah, always how say stupid is that you have to wear pants oh it's a gentleman's game it's, you know yeah, exactly. that's the whole thing behind but, it but shorts is, is do you is, see how up in arms they people were about the, the hoods oh yeah people were the hoods and then, then also the shirts with no collar yeah, yeah. So well yeah because that was the first thing yeah. Yeah. yeah that was the first thing yeah yeah it's from me you know I, I, I think that obviously there's a respect there that you need to have for other people on the golf course, just like anything else. And the else. course itself, And the too. course itself. The game. But you I know, mean, it's just a lot of, it's a gentleman's thing. Yeah, but like, I go play golf. I go play golf like this in sweatpants, you know. It doesn't bother me, and I don't really well, care. Well, it, it depends on where you're playing. Yeah, I mean, but someone... like, yeah, like if we go play Shelter Harbor, like, you, you can't wear sweatpants, you know. <laughs> but like... I just don't understand why you can't wear shorts on a tour. Like, how is that not? They used to wear ties. I know that. I was watching that those that movie with Shia LaBeouf. Greatest yeah. game ever yes. played. It's and a gentleman's like, game. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of those traditions are moving away from a lot of sports. Um, 
but I've just never understood that. You know, it's just a weird. Even like they make the caddies wear those white jumpsuits. Like that, they just look. I wouldn't. I mean, obviously, if you t- said you'd get ten percent of the cut, yeah, I'd get in a jumpsuit and go caddy for you. But like, I wouldn't want to wear that. Not Matt Kuchar's caddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's crazy. So, I mean, and it's funny. Because I was talking about yesterday with Joe that, you know, you look at all these golf balls, right? And uh, you hear a lot of people say, oh, it's just, you know, a money thing. You know, the ball doesn't matter. You know, you either suck or you're, you know, you're good. And I think that couldn't be further from the truth, Uh, especially after being exposed to getting fit for a club. You can get a golf ball fitting now. (laughs) Yeah, you can get a putter fitting. Mm Mm-hmm. And I've always been like a thing about putters is it's all feel. You know, you have either have it or you don't when it comes to putting, I think. Um, and the ball does make a difference when you're putting because you look at those hard balls. And if let's say you hit the ball in a bunker, right, it's tailor-made distance plus is what I like to play sometimes. And uh, I hit a ball out of a bunker and it's scuffed. And then I go to putt and there's that scuff on it and it, it's not going to roll the same if it wasn't scuffed. You know, that's why I think playing with a higher quality ball helps out sometimes, you know, and, and, and then if you want to get more spin on the ball, you need to have a nicer ball. Uh, you know, you can't get it because those tailor-mades are those distance plus are like the equivalent of like, you know, like the vice, the regular vices or those noodles or those other balls. If they're like hitting rocks, you know, mm-hmm. like if you guys subscribe to my YouTube channel, you might be familiar with Scott and he had a 3D printed golf ball. I did. Which was quite fun. That was fun. That was a great video. And that sounded like a rock. Yeah. When yeah. you hit it. Yeah. I thought it was going to break your club. Right. That's why, you, that's why you know, I didn't want you to hit your driver because I was like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> but um, That was fun. Yeah. And, and it, really interesting. But, I mean, I got to print another one because that ball was a little messed up on the bottom and it didn't roll correctly. But. Yeah. It was, it was a lot <laughs> yeah. lighter than I thought it was going to be. Oh, yeah. Be. Yeah. That was the thing. Chipping well, was chipping was a little tough, but yeah, it was nice. It was, it was the one time I beat Scott in a hole. I, he bogeyed, I parred it. So yeah, that's that's what it takes. This guy has to use a lighter three D printed golf ball for me to beat him in a hole. <laughs> um, but what kind of what, so Scott? You like Callaways, right? Those are your favorite clubs. Uh yeah yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, that's what I have. I have a Mizuno putter. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have different wedges. I have a Cleveland wedge. I have, yeah. you know, some Cause, other ones. Because it seems like you're very loyal to them. When I was looking for new clubs, you're like, you got to get Callaways. You They're know? good clubs. Yeah. <laughs> what, I like Callaways. Yeah. But it, it's that's it It fits my game, you know, yeah. and that's what you got to do. You know, I mean, what you got to suit, use the equipment to the best of your abilities, mm-hmm. not my abilities, you mm-hmm. know. So it's like... Me, I can't hit a softball. Yeah. You know, I need a, like, hotter ball. Like an AVX. Yeah, Not and like I can't hard, hit but... flex shafts. I need, you know, I need stiff shafts because yeah. of the way I swing. You know, yeah. same thing. So whether, you know, I can't play Jeff's ball or Jeff's clubs or Frank's ball and Frank's clubs or yours, you know, on and on, I need to suit things to my game. And yeah. it's done okay so far. Yeah. So what you have titleist right yeah i'm all titleist um okay. i've i've been i've been with titleists playing titleist clubs for the past 10 years and yeah i love them i'm loyal to them um they're great i've had you know it's i play a pro v yeah i'm all titleist <laughs> so what what made you go towards the titleist clubs over anything else 
At the time, um, I just had a mixed bag. With when, so when I was in the business, um, I was lucky enough to get a staff deal with Titleist, um, and I just been with them ever since. But before then, I was I could I would just hit clubs wherever I can get them. I mean, you know, I was you know kind of the guy where I grew up on knockoff clubs and snake eyes. <laughs> and Scott knows what snake eyes are. I mean, like totally just knock whatever I can get my hands on. My dad's you know leftovers, and so you know at the, when I decided you know I could be title um, titleist, Taylor made Ping, Callaway, Cobra. I'm I've always just liked titleist. I always the longevity of the clubs, um, the creativity of the clubs. You know, it, I just. I've always liked them, and I've just been with them ever since. I mean, I think they're great clubs, and obviously, Scotty Cameron's are you know a class on their own. And oh yeah, I mean, now it's Titleist is kind of gearing towards more drivers, and like as where every company is is the drivers right now. Because yep. now, I mean, you know, you can upgrade your driver every two years. They say two to four years. Irons is usually four to six years. Yeah. So, um, Titleist is kind of veering towards improving their drivers. And I just think they, I just think they make great clubs. I mean, but again, you know, you put Titleist best clubs versus TaylorMade's best clubs. I mean, you really aren't going to see that much difference in my opinion. I mean, same with Callaway, Mm -hmm. same with Ping. I mean, it's just like Scott was saying, it's all your feel. It's all what you like. I mean, I'm sure if I get the the new TaylorMade clubs that are comparable to Titleist clubs I have right now, I'm not going to be like, "Ah, these clubs stink. I mean, it's just, if I like the look of them and I'll go with them. Do you think that either of you guys? Do you think that if somebody blindfolded you and handed you a club, you'd be able to tell the difference between a TaylorMade and a Titleist and a Callaway? No, no, not even no way. Mm-hmm. It'd be impossible. So what? You Unless th- you knew the feel. Yeah. yeah. Unless if you hit the like ball, if you saw if- them and you hit them and then you yeah. could feel what they look like and then yeah. you could feel the weight how they you know but they're different. Yeah. Um. And and in terms of the design of the irons and you know you see the ads are like it's got 10 percent more tungsten you know what does that mean when they say that it's just the insert in the club itself okay yeah and then um, what does that do for the club is it like impact or well it depends on where they put the insert in sometimes you know like you put a blade mm-hmm. you know a blade is more for feel and you know that's really what it is and they only have that one center of spot in a blade that's why people a lot of amateurs don't hit blades yeah they're thin and they just have that one center where that's where the best part of the iron is. That's why if you hit, if you hit a blade and you miss hit it, or off the toe, off the uh, off the heel, it stings your hands. Yeah, because they're only yeah. meant for like PGA Tour really good players. Yeah. Versus you get a you know irons that are cavity backs or offset, really easy to hit. You know you can hit it off the toe and it'll still be kind of go where you want it to go. So they have so many different models of irons, and it's just it's it all depends on the size. It all depends on where they put in the insert for the tungsten, like you were saying, um, the center of gravity, the COG. I'm going technical now is yeah. important. The moment M-O-I. of in, yeah moment of inertia. I mean, so there's just so many things that go into to irons, and that's why you know they say you can hold on to irons for a long time because you know if you have an eight iron, you get your fitted clubs now. In three years, you hit an A-iron versus um, your current A-iron right now versus the one that comes out in three years. You're really not going to see that much of a difference, yeah. if any. But with the driver, you get a brand-new driver now, and in three years, te- go up against the, the latest driver in three years, you'll probably hit that latest driver maybe a little five to six yards farther. Now, yeah. again, depending on how serious of a golfer you are, some people like would like, oh, I, I'm in. I need to get that difference. But some people are like, I'm not spending an extra $500 <laughs> yeah. on a driver. That's just yeah. the way it is. So it's, you know, if you put the Titleist blade versus, I think, well, right now the hot club or TaylorMade, it's the, the P790s, yeah. those irons, yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Versus the TS ones from Titleist. You put those two, you know, put in the golfer's hands, and again, it has to be an avid golfer, like a three or four handicap. They could probably tell you the difference in what clubs they like better in terms of the feel. Some people like TaylorMade, some people like Titleist. Yeah. Mm. So, how important do you think ball speed is in, in somebody's game? Because, like I said earlier, you hear Bryson talk about it a lot. Depends what you're looking for. Because, because as somebody who follows baseball, exit velocity off the bat is in everything. You know how mm. hard you hit the ball is in everything. You know it, it's where you can hit the ball. You know how many times you can hit the ball and get on base so, and things like that. Ball speed, mm -hmm. right? That's impact. Yeah. So to get to impact, there's a lot that has to happen before you get to impact. Your path, every where you go up or down, if you come and across the ball, if you're hitting the ball up, you're hitting the ball down. I was saying before. So yes, ball speed is important, but how do you achieve you know fast, quicker ball speed? You got to yeah. change your swing. You got to manipulate your swing. Yeah. And that's where Bryson talks about ball speed. If he does this to his swing, what happens to his ball speed? Is it increase or is it decrease? Yeah. And, and you know what's really interesting is that I saw one of his videos, and he actually went and hit baseballs. And is incorporating part of a baseball swing into his golf swing in terms of, like, the swing path and things like well, that. Well, that's – I mean, that's – so TrackMan's a launch monitor. I don't know if you've probably heard of TrackMan. Yeah. So that's, like, a $20,000 monitor oh, – uh, yeah. launch monitor. Yeah. But they have it for baseball. Yep, yep. So it's baseball and, and now golf are kind of really getting analytical. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, especially – since Moneyball, baseball has been all yeah, I mean, analytics. And, and that's and that's yeah. I mean that's where golf is right now. I mean, you could yep. spend hours. I mean, now and that's that's the good thing about these launch monitors is that in the winter time, we can still go to there's all these little places around you know around that have launch monitors yeah. that have, you know and you can go up and hit balls and well, you some know some of them are stupid expensive. Exactly, but like you know mm -hmm. there's but they have courses that you can play. Yeah. I mean, so you can keep up with your game and yeah. keep your swing intact. Um, but in terms of ball speed. I mean, there's just so much that hap that happens in terms of you know. Okay. Your what do you think the most important part of a golf swing is? I can tell impact. you what. Impact. He's got it. Impact. One hundred percent. Can you explain a little bit? Um, so impact is everything. You can have so takeaways, right? Every, there's so many different backswings. I mean, you can have the weirdest backswing like a Jim Furyk. Look at Happy Gilmore. Look at ha yeah. If you take a picture and freeze the picture at their impact. Jim Furyk, Tiger Woods, Brooks Kepka, all these tour players, their impact position is generally the same versus an amateur player. So you can have all different takeaways, backswings. It's just where your hands are at impact, whether they're behind the ball, in front of the ball. It all depends on where your hands are and where the club face is at impact. If it's open, if it's shut. You know, as you know, somebody like me, I would have never got – guess that i would have said oh it has something to do with like the speed of your backswing or the speed or or something like that and that's really interesting to hear well i mean you look at all these look at all i mean nowadays a lot of these tour players swing really fast but back you know i perfect example is like like um ernie l's freddie couples mm. rocco mediate louis louis and exactly smooth swinging smooth, louis very very smooth not quick you know but their tempo is phenomenal mm-hmm so, you know, swing speed is obviously very, very important. But where their hands are, where, where the club is, where the ball position is at impact is the most important thing because that affects everything. Have you yeah. ever been to a um, – Oh, I have. I, have you seen him? So I I haven't seen Louis, uh, but I went to the uh, – they had a tournament in Massachusetts, the Dell Championship. So you saw pros I did, teeing but, off. And I wish that I had went now because I'd understand – because this was like five or six years right. ago. 
I saw Tiger. I saw DJ. Um, Don't I they seem Bubba. like they're swinging faster on TV than they really are? Yeah, like they swing ex- so smooth, and I'm like, yeah. wow, it looks like they're trying to kill yeah. the ball Rory on TV. Was there. I fist pumped some. Oh, what's some German dude? I can't remember his name now. Um, Martin Keimer? Was it Martin Keimer? Maybe. Yes. I fist pumped him because he was walking right past me. My dad would be able to tell you because he knew all of the guy I didn't. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was an incredible experience. I want to go to another one, but I don't know if they're having any around so, here. So. From my personal experience, I've been to a lot of PGA tournaments watching. The best days to go are the Wednesdays, the practice round, the final mm. practice round. Yeah. Because A, they're in shorts and they, they're all, you know, but if you get close to them, which you good chance you will be because there's not a lot of fans that are there, yeah. You can actually hear them talk to their caddy. You can actually hear them talk about where they want to put their ball, where they want, you know, where the flag positions are gonna be in yeah. the next four days. I mean, and you can actually hear their conversations and their thought process because when you go on a regular day, there's so many people. And they're working. Oh, yeah. That's it. Yeah. And they're working. They're yeah. concentrating. Well, it's yeah. crazy. The crowd that was following Tiger compared oh. to everybody else. Yeah. And like, I usually, for me. It's a Tiger effect. Oh, it's, my God. You plant yourself at one hole and you don't leave. Some people follow people around. That's not That's me. That's what we were doing. We were following well, find tiger. a good location where you can bounce exactly. between two, yeah. three holes. Exactly. Like we were at TPC Boston yeah. there yeah. in the FedEx Cup playoffs. And yeah. we would just, we'd bounce between these three holes. And yeah. you could just see it perfect yeah i wish i went now. i gotta go to one now because i'll understand well you should try to go to the u.s open at brookline when is that next year 2022 okay there's a I don't know if they have it anymore, but they used to have the CBS Champ, the Rhode, CBS, Rhode Club, yeah, CBS Rhode Classic Island Country Rhode Island Club. Club. I've been to that a few times, huh. and it's crazy. Like I remember going to my first one. I saw Davis Love the Third, and I th- I used to think he like swung so quick and everything, and go there. It's just a long, yeah. Shoo, didn't yeah. even watching hit balls in the range too was fun. Yeah. I, well, I saw Bubba Watson. Oh, he's swinging. That was he's, that was like you weird. Yeah, and then I saw him swing, and I saw Tiger swing. Totally different, you know. Obviously, left oh, yeah. righty, but like, yeah, it's just Scotty Scheffler kind of reminds I remember, me of Bubba. A lot of footwork. Yeah, I remember watching Bubba hit balls on the range. It was actually during um, before the CVS Classic, and he was hitting driver. He hit three driver shots. Yeah, one was a huge fade. One was a huge draw, and one was dead down the middle. And he said, "All right, I'm ready to go." Like when I tell you, it the fade, it fade maybe 50 yards, and the drew the same 50 yards. Like he's, and some people love self-taught, or, right, Bubba? Bubba, yeah. yeah. Some yeah. people love yeah. or hate him. I think he's again another guy. Great, I think he's game. great. He's yeah. different. I mean, you're gonna watch Bubba Watson play. I mean, yeah. where the heck is he gonna hit this shot? Yep. You know, over the grandstand and hit a 80 yard. I mean, that shot he hit at Augusta, when he hooked that shot from the trees. Will go down as one of the best shots in the history of golf. I just remember one he hit off the deck. That he he hit that it was I think it was a seventy yard hook. Like it showed an overview thing and it literally was like this out of the woods and the hole. Do you remember? I don't know if you so two thousand thirteen I think it was when Mm -hmm. Bubba won, and um, I wasn't following golf then, so I don't know. Yeah, I think it it was thirteen or twelve, one of the two. I want to say it might have been twelve. I think thirteen was Adam Scott's two thousand twelve Masters in the playoff. Bubba hit this amazing shot from the woods. Yeah. And he had to, he was at probably about 120 yards, but he was dead in the woods. He had no shot. So he had to hook it around. And he did it within like 70 yard hook and he within 15 feet of the cup. Wow. Only Bubba could so do it. So like no. Scott and his seven iron. Yeah. No. <laughs> but it, that's definitely look up that video. It's still, you. it's literally, it was going to go down as one of the greatest shots in the history of golf. 
and it yeah. shows you that it's a golf is a game of impact. Like yeah. they, everyone does things different to get their club at that ball. Yeah. And yeah. Insane. Love it. Yeah. It's great. And, and uh, yeah, I love golf. I want to get better at it. So, um, I'm you got better sure. this year. I, I, I definitely feel like I understand. And it a keeping a handicap helps, man. It really yeah. does. I, I got, didn't think it did. Yeah. I mean, I got mine to 15 one. Right. Right. So just to give you, I've, Good golf. Like, I played in high school. So, I was a freshman in high school. So, I probably, you know, even earlier than that, I played when I was in fifth grade, whatever. But I've been playing for 25 years plus. (laughs) And I've still to this day, I've never gotten old, never gotten sick of it. I've never, I play at the same golf course. I'm a member of the same golf course. And I play, you know, three or four times a week. I try to at least. Sometimes it usually doesn't happen, unfortunately. (laughs) But um, I will never, ever get sick of playing golf. I will never get, I love it. It's great. It's a good workout, as we were talking about before. The camaraderie that you have with people that you play with. I mean, it's just, and it's, you know, four hour, four and a half hours, you know, hopefully less than four hours, you know, typically in pace of play and outside. I mean, it's just, it's great. Yeah. It's, a great <laughs> it's my sport. favorite thing. Um, yeah. So uh, before we end the podcast, you guys can go ahead and give your uh, businesses a shout out if you'd like. Um, so, yeah. So I'm a commercial insurance agent for Carrie Richmond and Viking Insurance. Um, so I write insurance for all types of businesses both big and small. Um, I do workers' compensation, general liability, property in the Marine. Um, and so my, my goal is in, in my profession is to try to find the best premium for an operation at the uh, at, in limits that work for the business owner. So Jeff is Custom 3D's um, business insurance. Yes. Yes. So, <laughs> Scott? So I do, I do personal insurance, um, Things like life insurance. I work with some supplement insurance companies. Uh, next year, I'm actually going to start doing Medicare. Uh, another way I can help people. And, uh, you know, I work for myself, basically. Um, but I'm always there to help. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you guys coming on. It's been a little over an hour, I think. Uh, I, could go, I, could, I could go for another hour talking well, about golf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, if you ever want to come back, just let me know and we can keep talking. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, was, I really wanted to do an episode like this because I've always wanted to learn more about golf. And I've never really sat down and talked about it, you know, other than being on a golf course and talking about it. Yeah. So I really appreciate you guys coming out and uh, talking about golf. And uh, if you guys ever want to come back, talk about something, let me know. You know, sure. This Absolutely. podcast is all about learning, whether it's about business. You know, I say it's, you know, I interview business owners, but uh, you guys are great. And I, and I think it's just another thing to learn about. And I think everybody should get into golf. It's a great place to go hang out with your friends and, and get out of the house, not play video games all day. <laughs> I agree. And uh, it's, it's very humbling sport. You know, somebody who came from baseball wasn't a great baseball player, but I, you know, knew how to do it. And I succeeded. And then when I went to golf and I absolutely sucked at it and I still suck at it, it just really humbling and will make the best athletes. You just look at, at Michael Jordan and, 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 uh, oh my God, Chuck, um, Charles Barkley, Charles Barkley, <laughs> you know, who has that hitch in his swing, like horrible. Not anymore. It's not anymore. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. It's fixed. Not bad. Yeah. It's a miracle. Yeah. If they can fix that swing. Anyone can fix anything. Yeah. But like this best, best athletes in the world go and play golf when they, right. they're not good at it. Mm. So it's a very right. hard sport. Not as hard as baseball. But... <laughs> I would disagree. I would disagree, too. Really? Oh, oh that's, my that, God. Maybe we shouldn't end Way the hotter than baseball. Yeah. Maybe we, I played both. Maybe maybe we shouldn't end the podcast here. Maybe we should just keep going. Maybe let's roll on. Oh, should we? Yeah. I mean, 
All right, yeah, let's keep going then. Okay. Because I'm really curious to hear why. Um, I'll just edit that last part out of me ending the podcast. So we'll just keep going. Um, so why is baseball easier than golf? So, I guess, no, I was going to say it's harder than golf. I mean, uh, baseball is easier. No, baseball is easier than golf. Yeah, because uh, for one thing, you're on a team. You know, you're on a team in baseball. Yeah, you have other people supporting you, things like that. And granted, with golf, you have, you know, if you're a professional, you have a caddy. But yeah. me, you, you have friends. But you're out there playing skins. You know, you're by yourself. And it's not, you have many clubs. And there are many shots. You know, there are many pitches, but there are much more golf shots. And hazards you can get into and things like that. And, you know, so... so- while you say baseball is a team sport, and it is, you can't score runs without team. You know, you can't have one guy on a team. But when it's a pitcher versus the batter, it's one-on-one. And hitting in 95 – I've faced 90-mile-an-hour pitching before. And in my opinion, it is insanely difficult. I was in a wood league. We were facing this Boston Prospects team, and it was cold, and – I had to hit this guy, and I was pissed at my coach because he set up this game to play this kid who 90 miles an hour in the cold weather with a wood bat lead. And I was – it's insanely difficult, and the guy throws a 90-mile-an-hour fastball, then he comes back at you with a you know, an 70-mile-an-hour uh, curveball, and you don't see it coming because he can hide it, and the only way you could tell is by that red dot on the ball is insanely difficult. And while you say that there's many shots – in baseball, in uh, golf, you know, and you have to practice every single one of them, you could say the same about fielding in baseball. You know, sure. obviously you're using the same ball uh, every time, but you have, you, you have, look at third base, you have the hot corner, you have balls coming at you at over 110 mile an hour in the big leagues. Right. And let me state, and, I, no, by no means do I think baseball so, is easy. So, my opinion on this, yeah. I agree. I think golf is harder than baseball because with baseball, if you're, let's just say as a kid, you're growing up and you want to play baseball, right? Or do you want to be a pitcher or do you want to be a batter? All right. That's just, you know, that's really what you, so you pick, you start with those two. Okay, fair. Then, if you're a pitcher, you know, are you going to be a throwing nine, 100 mile an hour? Or are you going to be more finesse, location? You know, now it's just always throwing heat. Yeah. You know, but and then if you're a batter, I mean, what position are you going to want to play? But then you can even go deeper into it. Are you going to be a catcher? But are you going to be a defensive catcher? Or are you going to be an offensive catcher? Are you going to kind of gear towards the defense and throwing people out at second base? Yeah. Or are you going to be an offensive catcher? Or are you going to be one that really calls a good game? Like you had, you know, I'm just looking at players on the Red Sox. There used to be Doug Mirabelli only caught Tim, Tim Wakefield. You guys have Jason Veritek, who wasn't yeah. really a good offensive player. It was okay, but he was good at catching the ball, commanding the game. Yeah. Then you have a designated hitter who their one job is to hit. Yeah. Then you have, you know, then you can go into the fielding. You can have a really good defensive fielder, and he'd be really good at defense, but not be good on offense in terms of hitting, but still have a chance to be on a major league baseball team. Like Jackie Bradley Jr. is making $12 million a year, and he's a great defender in center field, but he's a terrible hitter, but he's still on a majors. He's still on a major league team. Yeah. And I get it. You know, I know obviously he was a good enough hitter to get to where he is right now, but in terms of right, I mean, you know, right now it's like that's all he's good for is defense, but he's still on a major league team. So, you know, you can kind of separate yourself in terms of how of a bit kind of a baseball player you want to be. With golf, you have to be good at everything. Putting, driving, irons, bunkers, everything. So 
it's not just, oh, I'm just going to be a good long drive hitter. I, then you'd be on the long drive contest. Mm-hmm. Like Bryson DeChambeau, he leads the league in driving, but he's a really good putter. He's a really good at short game. So you can't just be one-dimensional in golf. You can sort of be one-dimensional in baseball and get away with it. Obviously, the best players in the game are really good at fielding, defense, offense. Like Mike Trout is an unbelievable yeah. center fielder. Well, that's, but- what, that's what it that- – Jackie Bradley Jr. isn't a good example. You know, I could I could say, you know, you look at, I mean, I think I think uh, Bubba Watson, you know, he struggled with his short game a lot recently. But know? when he won the major, when he won the yeah. Augusta, Jackie he was, Bradley Jr. was was a uh, MVP in the ALCS. I think what did he bat like 240, 250 in that series? Yeah, in in in, in six games, but he hit a great yeah, no, slam I, and, and he made a diving catch. But I, so so. so and I get it. I mean, you're a baseball player, so I, I, so you, you play the game. I played little league, so I, I just, from my opinion, and starting off, if you have someone that's starting fresh, baseball or golf, who, you know, if he's the same person, he's going to be an athlete. Everything, training aside, all that stuff aside, who is the better chance of it succeeding in going farther in baseball or in golf? I think he has a chance of going farther in baseball than he does in golf. Um, I always like to say this quote by by Ted Williams and baseball is the only game of endeavor where a player or I'm paraphrasing here where a player can succeed three out of ten times and still be considered a good performer a great performer you bat in 300 you're really good think about in golf if a player only hit a good shot three out of ten times they would not be in the PGA. They would suck. That's why golf is harder right. than baseball. Right. That's what I'm saying. Just, that's why golf's harder. No. Thank you for pointing. No. Uh, <laughs> thank no, you no. for proving our point. No, 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 no. You're looking at it wrong. You're looking at it wrong. Because think, in order to be considered a good baseball player, you have to – You have to like that just goes to show you how difficult hitting a baseball is. Is the best of the best only bat 300, 3 out of 10. You know, they only get a hit 3 out of 10 times. You know? And that's why baseball is harder. So, I mean, I guess we could keep going back. And we definitely could. Yes. We definitely I don't, could. I don't, I don't think we're going to change each other's minds. But no, no. Uh, I just figured we'd throw that in there towards the end. Yeah. But I like uh, that. huge respect for both sports. Very much so. Yes. Any, yes. Pro- any professional mm. yeah. at anything. Yeah. Or yeah. anyone for that matter. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what was the contract that they gave? Uh, what was Texas that like, paid that short? Corey Seager. Yeah. What was 325 the contract? Three hundred twenty-five million, like nine years. Yeah. And they gave Mike Trout. It was like four hundred million for ten years. Mm-hmm. I just remember the Pujols uh, contract with Anaheim. What was it like? Twelve years, three hundred million oh, yeah. or something like Worst that. Worst contract, <laughs> I think. They, the Angels. So that's the good thing about yeah. baseball is that you could get these contracts that are, you know you make well, probably make more. Too. Yeah, you probably make more money in baseball than you would at golf. Oh right. yeah, well, you, <laughs> you, you have look, to work less. Yeah, I, I know think, exactly. Honestly, I think before any of us are dead, there will be a five hundred plus million player, or even a billion dollar oh, player. No, there's no doubt about no, it. About it. No, unless, about it. unless the game ceases yeah. to yeah. exist, no doubt about it. It's just going to keep going yeah. up. Like just just how inflation works, and yeah. Whatever, and it's yeah. Be crazy. I mean, you look before Tiger. Like the first prize was like, you know what? I would say the top thing was like a hundred thousand dollars for first place prize, like with Jack Nicholas and stuff like that. And yeah. it's like, you know, now you can get eleventh place and get 
Yeah. yeah cool 500,000. Right. That's what John Daly says. Way he more says, I never like to come in first place because I get paid anyways. You know, when I come in second or whatever, third mm. or fifth or tenth, whatever. Right. I still get Not paid. to mention the sponsors that you're getting. Yeah. 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 I mean, think exactly. about it. A, a drink is named after. You get John Daly, you know, like Spike Donald Palmer. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, I think that's what a John Daly is. Not that I drink, but I mean, yeah. So now this is the real end of the podcast. Okay. Thank you guys for coming out. This has been a great conversation. I'm not going to say anything about the difference between golf and baseball. <laughs> thanks time. for having us. Yes. Yeah, thanks for having us, Max. Appreciate it. Anytime. Yeah. I'd yeah. definitely love to come back. Awesome. So, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to check out the Knowledge is Power podcast on patreon.com forward slash K-I-P-P-O-D to support the podcast. Make sure to follow uh, Knowledge is Power on Instagram and share uh the podcast link on your story that would mean a lot to me so thanks guys and i'll catch you in the next one four